In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let's talk about the Athanasian Creed, which, by the way, is printed out for you in some form of the materials that you received on your way in, if you want to take a look throughout this sermon. But first, the word creed. It comes from the Latin word credo, I believe. So a creed is the content that one believes and confesses to be true. That's what a creed is. In American Christianity, creed is a four-letter word. But you can tell them that it's actually five letters. And at least if we're talking about the Apostles' Creed, the Nicene Creed, and the Athanasian Creed, these creeds really are quite pleasing to God. Still, you'll hear Christians say things like, doctrine divides, and deeds, not creeds, which offers us some delicious and low-hanging fruit. The slogan, doctrine divides, is of course itself both a doctrine and a doctrine that divides. And it happens to be a doctrine that negates the very doctrines taught by God himself in the Holy Scriptures. Likewise, deeds, not creeds, is itself a creed. A creed that negates the importance of all other creeds, including those that are taught by God himself in the Holy Scriptures. After all, the most basic and fundamental of all creeds is simply Jesus Christ. Careful, I'm about to blow some minds here. Christ isn't his last name. When we say Jesus Christ, we're confessing that the man, Jesus of Nazareth, is the Christ, the Son of God. Other creeds and more formal creeds can be found in both the Old and New Testaments. So now that we know what a creed is, and we know that confessing a creed is a thoroughly biblical and God-pleasing thing, as long as it's right, those Christians who recite creeds against creeds and make doctrines against doctrines are doing a silly thing. So why do we call the Athanasian Creed the Athanasian Creed? It's named after a fourth century church father by the name of Athanasius, who almost certainly didn't write it, and who almost certainly has one of the coolest names there is. In Greek, Thanatos means death. So Athanatos, or Athanasius, means deathless one, or immortal. Immortal as a first name improves almost every last name. Immortal Rhodey. That sounds kind of awesome. Athanasius, or deathless one, is a name that confesses the essence of what it means to be a Christian. Because of the death and resurrection of Jesus, we have all become deathless ones through faith in him. Whoever lives and believes in me, Jesus says, will never die. And this shows us yet one more thing that's completely insane about the world around us. Every last person is on his or her way to the grave. Every last person is on deck to be unmade by the Creator in a most ugly and disgraceful way. In real life, there's nothing at all poetic about death or a dead body. 
Death is, quite frankly, the creator saying no to each one of us in unmistakable terms. No, you are not a good creature. In fact, because of what you have done and because of what you've left undone, and you know it yourself, you deserve to be unmade. Dust you are, and to dust you shall return. But what does this insane world think? Everyone whipping around the freeways of Orange County completely ignores this most obvious reality, death. They completely ignore death and the creators know, and instead think that they're all great people, really super guys and really super girls. Everyone posting on social media wants to make sure that the whole world knows just how awesome they are. But the most obvious and indisputable fact is that God doesn't think so. He thinks you, in and of yourself, deserve to be unmade and removed from the earth. Then God in his inexplicable grace and mercy, still grants his creatures an earthly life, a window of time in order to be reconciled to him. And he has provided the only way that this could ever even be possible. He sent his son to take the fall for all that you have done and all that you have left undone. He has sent his beloved son to be your savior, to take all your sins upon himself as his own, and to pay the penalty that you owe, and to die the death that you deserve, thus winning for you full pardon and eternal life. He has thrown the gates of heaven wide open for you and for every person, no matter who they might be, no matter what they might have done. And then God preaches this good news throughout the world and into your ears. It is finished, he says. Though the wages of sin is death, I have taken away your sins and I have taken away your death. For the sake of Jesus and for the sake of what he accomplished on the cross, I, your God, am reconciled to you. Be reconciled unto me. Repent and be forgiven. I have turned a tender and fatherly heart toward you. Look at the cross and see how deeply I have loved you. And what price, what price has been paid to save you from death? A price has been paid to bring you to myself for all eternity. That for all eternity, you might be like a cup into which I pour all my blessings, all my goodness, all my gifts, my wisdom and joys. Now, to all who believe God, God gives the power to become his children. And he makes us his own dear children in the waters of holy baptism. That's what just happened to Nora Mercier today. She has become a child of God. And she has become a female Athanasius, an Athanasia, a deathless one, through the waters of holy baptism, just as for each one of us. 
what the world calls death, has for us been changed. For by dying with Christ in the waters of baptism, we have no further death. What is called death is now for us, but the gateway and door that leads to the very face of Jesus, our Savior, and to the embrace of our Heavenly Father, and to life forever with them and with the Holy Spirit, God in Trinity and Trinity in unity. Luke wrote his gospel to Theophilus, a name that means lover of God. And all Christians are lovers of God. In the same way, I like to think of the Athanasian Creed as referring to Athanasius and what he confessed, but also to us, because we are all deathless ones who confess this creed, the Athanasian Creed, the creed of the deathless ones. That sounds good. Now, very quickly, I want to point out four short things that you need to know about the Athanasian Creed. First, the most important thing about the Athanasian Creed is that it has to do with salvation. The very first words of the Creed are, whoever desires to be saved must, above all, hold the Catholic faith. The Creed then goes on to describe what the Catholic faith is, thus bestowing and confirming salvation. As an aside, we're reminded that the word Catholic isn't a bad word. Catholic comes from the Greek, kata holos, which means according to the whole. The Catholic faith is the faith of all Christians, and it is the only faith that grants salvation. So the Athanasian Creed isn't about doctrine for doctrine's sake. It's about doctrine for salvation's sake. Whoever desires to be saved must, above all, hold the Catholic faith. Which leads to the second and third things we need to know about the Athanasian Creed. The first half of the Creed is about the Trinity. The second half of the Creed is about the person and work of Christ. And this shows why it is that you must hold to this Creed or lose salvation. If you have a different God than the Trinity, one God in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, then you don't have the true God. Likewise, if you have a different Christ than the one who is true God and true man in one person, or if you have a different Christ than the one who suffered for our salvation, descended into hell, rose again the third day from the dead, etc., then you don't have the one true Christ. If you don't have the one true God, or if you don't have the one true Christ, then you cannot be saved. That's the negative way of putting it. The positive way is this. If you confess the Athanasian Creed as your own, then you have and confess the one true God. And you have and confess the one true Christ. And if you have these, then you have salvation. As Jesus himself says, this is eternal life that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. So point number one, the Athanasian Creed is about your salvation. Point number two, you have to have the only true God to be saved. And point number three, you have to have the only true Christ to be saved. Now, on to point number four, and to the last thing I want to talk about, which is also the last part of the Athanasian Creed. Now, if you're looking at the Creed, you want to look about six lines up from the very end. 
There you'll see that we confess he, namely Jesus, will come to judge the living and the dead. Then we confess what happens next. The creed says, at his coming, all people will rise again with their bodies and give an account concerning their own deeds. And those who have done good will enter into eternal life and those who have done evil into eternal fire. This is the Catholic faith. Whoever does not believe it faithfully and firmly cannot be saved. We have three things here. First, a confession that all people will be raised in their bodies on the last day. A teaching that comes from Romans 5, among other places in Scripture. So powerful is the resurrection of Jesus that very first Easter that on the last day, all people will be raised in their bodies, whether they want to be or not. The second thing we're confessing is that just because all are raised in their bodies on the last day does not mean that all are saved. That would be universalism. And there are almost countless places in the scripture where God tells us that some people will be in an eternal fire and some in eternal life. God, by the way, for his part, also tells us that he desires that all would be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. The third thing we're confessing is something that gives some Lutherans and some Protestants heartburn. But it shouldn't. In fact, insofar as it gives us heartburn, we're only showing our ignorance of God's word. The final judgment is a judgment of works. As the Athanasian Creed puts it, those who have done good will enter into eternal life, and those who have done evil will enter into eternal fire. Is this then contrary to the teaching that we are justified by grace alone through faith alone on account of Christ alone? Absolutely not. In fact, it is St. Paul himself, the one who teaches us grace alone, faith alone, and Christ alone, who writes in 2 Corinthians 5, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive his due for the things done in his body, whether good or bad. Thus far St. Paul. And that's enough to prove that the last judgment takes account of works. But how does this work? the author of Hebrews tells us a very important clue. He writes, without faith, it is impossible to please God. Now that helps. Because if that's true, then in the Athanasian Creed, those who have done evil would be those without faith. Unbelievers, non-Christians. And on the other hand, those who have done good would be those with faith. Believers, Christians. Of course, Jesus, as is his way, always puts this more poetically and more masterfully than anyone else. Remember his teaching? Only good trees produce good fruit, and only bad trees produce bad fruit. Now, what determines if you are a good tree or a bad tree in the eyes of Christ? Faith. In Matthew chapter 25, Jesus teaches us this very thing. The sheep, who represent those with faith, and the goats, who represent those without faith, are first separated, the sheep on Jesus' right and the goats on his left. Then, after they've been separated on the basis of faith or unbelief, then 
their, the judgment of their works begins. Now to the goats on his left, to the unbelievers, they have no faith. They're bad trees with bad fruit. They are those who have done evil. And when Jesus speaks to them, only their evil is mentioned. Jesus sends them into eternal fire, just as the Athanasian Creed teaches. On the other hand, the sheep at his right hand, the believers, have faith. They are the good trees with good fruit. They are those who have done good. And only their good is mentioned by Jesus. Jesus sends them into eternal life, just as the Athanasian Creed teaches. So, what does this mean? It means that the final part of the Athanasian Creed is not only fully in keeping with the scriptures, it is fully in keeping with Jesus and his gospel. He is the judge. Only believers do good in his sight, and they will enter eternal life. Unbelievers do only evil in his sight, and they will enter eternal fire. So this is the Catholic faith. Whoever does not believe it faithfully and firmly cannot be saved, just as the Creed states. So let us then believe it, and in just a few moments we'll confess it, and let us do so faithfully and firmly. Because God has revealed himself to us, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, God in Trinity and Trinity in unity. And Christ has revealed himself to us, true God and true man in one person who has redeemed us, purchased and won us from all sins, from death, and from the power of the devil, not with gold or silver, but with his own holy, precious blood, with his own innocent suffering and death. God be thanked and praised. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please rise and confess.